Sound. Sound. Music. Acoustic. Noise. Sound. I have a favorite sound, I think. Sounds. Ultrasonic. How they listen. Just a little boop. The one place where it sounds the best. You're listening to Sound, sound Matters. <laughs> Welcome to Sound Matters, a podcast about sound and things that matter. My name is Tim Hinman. This episode of Sound Matters is a kind of lazy man's guide to exploring the sounds of the natural world. It begins very simply right here, with me asking you to have a listen to the sounds going on outside your own window. If you're not indoors, or you've got your headphones on, I suppose you can just try this later. But if you were to open a window right now, what sounds could you hear? A car passing by, maybe an aeroplane flying overhead, a few birds chirping away in the tree in front of your house, a couple of dogs play-fighting in next door's garden. This is an experiment in hearing natural sound, by the way, so try your best to focus on the animals. In this edition of Sound Matters, there are two guests with two very different selections of natural sounds for your enjoyment and amazement. One of them will present the world's largest library of animal sound recordings. The other has something of an advantage over us when she opens her windows that are somewhere in the middle of Dublin. She has a very special soundscape to listen to. My name is Colette Kinsler and I'm a radio producer, an independent radio producer, and I live in Ireland and I have a pretty cool address because it's Dublin Zoo. I live right in the heart of Dublin Zoo. My partner is the director, so the house comes with his job and I suppose my boyfriend comes with the house I live in. During the day, the zoo is packed with noisy kids screaming over ice creams, pointing at the animals, running away from their parents. But when night falls and all the humans have gone to bed, the animals have their time. Every single evening, I'd go out for a walk by myself in the zoo. And it was like being in a bubble. It was like being on a different planet. It was, it was quiet. And then you realize that the, the animals who live here, the animals who are in the human care, they have their own lives going on. And they're, they're very complex lives and they're very interesting lives. And they have relationships with each other and they talk and they have certain behaviors and they have beautiful body language. And I was really aware that I'm the interloper there and I really shouldn't be there. Maybe you shouldn't be there in the zoo at night. These sounds are animal sounds and they are not meant for human ears. We tend to think of animals just spilling these sounds forth. But what we're really finding, the more we investigate animal communication, is that they are incredibly sophisticated, highly evolved in the way they use sound to... Uh, to carry on their lives. This is my second guest. His name is Greg Budney. 
He's the curator for collections, development and outreach at the Macaulay Library, a project at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, Cornell University in America. The Macaulay Library houses the largest scientific archive of biodiversity audio and video recordings in the world. If you wanted to sit and listen to the entire collection, you have close to a year's worth of 24-hour, seven-day-a-week listening to get through the entire audio collection. It's that large. There's over 175,000 pieces of audio to listen to, by the way. And recently they've been made available online for you to hear from the comfort of your own home. LNS catalog number 6784. LNS catalog number 128263. LNS catalog number 191154. LNS catalog number 128262. The following sounds recorded off California were most likely produced by blue whales. LNS catalog number 86049. LNS catalog number 23711. No need any longer to travel the world if you want to hear rare and endangered species of every kind of animal, from birds to mammals from fish to insects. It's all available for you at the click of a mouse. The library's collection is also the oldest in the world. It started in May 1929 with the country's first ornithologist, Arthur A. Allen, and with the very first audio and simultaneous film recordings of wildlife ever made in North America. The first three recordings ever made, perhaps unsurprisingly for an ornithology department, were recordings of birds. That's what you're hearing right now. This is one of the original three recordings made in 1929, and as I'm sure you guessed, this is a recording of the rose-breasted crossbeak. And this one is a song sparrow. The third recording of a house wren didn't survive. Apparently, so the story goes, the Fox Case Corporation had asked ornithologist Arthur A. Allen for help in recording these birds. They asked him if he couldn't just bring them into the studio. This, of course, was not an option. So they went to record them in the wild, on the shores of Cayuga Lake, right next to Ithaca, the home of Cornell University. Now, back to the zoo and Colette Kinsella's evening stroll through her very own animal soundscape. Okay, when you come out of my house and ride into the zoo, the first thing you'll hear, especially when it's not too dark, you'll hear the macaws, these beautiful parrots making this incredible squawking sound, and they're very loud. One of the macaws likes to talk, and sometimes you pass by and he says, Hello! And he can surprise you, and it's, it's, he's a beautiful animal. Hello. Yeah, near the lake, near these ducks, you hear and a sound that, it's very unusual. It sort of sounds like geese. It sounds a bit like very intensive ducks. It sort of sounds like ducks on steroids. Um, and actually, it's flamingos, Chilean flamingos. There's a flock of about 82 of them there, and they have this beautiful sort of chorus of... It's almost like a carpet of um, very soothing goose, goosey, ducky sounds. And of course you can hear them as well. They have a very much more urgent sound when they become 
alerted by my presence because they're afraid of whoever might be there. Of course, we can't speak to or understand the animals. Only Dr. Doolittle can do that. Rex Harrison talks about Dr. Doolittle. The first film in which a human being, myself, actually talks to animals. I think it'll be a film which all the family, including the animals, are going to want to see. Including you, Chi Chi, aren't you? Chi Chi? Yes. But the extent to which we can't even really hear what sounds they're making is maybe more surprising. Uh, there's a, a wonderful little sparrow here in North America called the Henslow sparrow, a favorite of mine. It's a grassland sparrow, pretty much restricted to the highest quality or most pure meadows of, of the Midwest. And you find them to a degree here in, in New York State and elsewhere. And they have a, a song that's described as to slick, really brief. When you play back that to slick, slow it down, it's actually five beautiful little notes that the bird is delivering so quickly the human ear can't resolve them. Let's slow this down for all the humans listening. You could probably wager good money that another Henslow Sparrow fully appreciates the signal, the content of, of that particular signal. In the case of mate-mate attraction, the brownback solitaire song I find particularly stunning in that it's using both sides of its earrings, the sound-producing organ in birds, and creating an incredibly complex, rich sound, all the while done in an aerial flight display. The, the physiology to pull that off. And uh, that being a demonstration of your fitness as a potential mate to a female is absolutely incredible. And the beauty to the human ear of this sound is uh, beyond compare. I, I don't know quite how to describe it. I think the closest I've come is fine pieces of crystal glass that have been shattered and are tinkling to, to the ground. It's, it's just something to behold. Of course, we all learned at school that pretty much anything to do with animals is the result of millions of years of evolution and the struggle for survival in every kind of environment. And most sounds that birds sing are not pure tones, but rather complex, very complex signals and delivered in a very short time span. Things are happening on a matter of milliseconds. Specializations that produce some amazing results and some very powerful Weapons, if you like. It's, uh, it's an arms race out there. What you're hearing now, of course, is the greatest spear-nosed bat. Bats produce some of the loudest sounds in the world, which would be deafening to us 
if we could hear them. But fortunately, we can't, so we're saved. But in terms of capturing prey, looking at the the speed of, of a prey item and directionality, the AM and FM signals used by bats are extremely high frequency and very well suited to tracking and capturing prey items. The loudest animal in the world, if you compare its body size to the amount of noise it makes, is an insect, the humble water boatman. You can see them on ponds and still water everywhere. The water boatman is loud in the most remarkable way. It actually creates a sound with its what amounts to its penis, and it uh, it's it's like a file and rasp type scenario, and it creates this incredibly loud sound. The loudest sound facilitated by a singing penis. Not ideal for all kinds of animals, of course, though no doubt an excellent party trick. A lot of animal sound has a lot to do with being loud, and by our standards, very loud. Sounds that you can hear all over the jungle, or perhaps even in Tesco's supermarket in Dublin. No matter where you're standing in the zoo, in the background, there's usually one particular type of sound that's always there. And it's this staccato of a large roar that seems to be coming from a very big barrel chest. And it resonates right through the zoo. And I've heard it, like, in the shopping centre where I go to Tesco to do my shopping, I've heard it. And it's the Asian line, and it's usually the male line. He sits there in the evening time and he likes to mark his territory. And he does that by, oh, 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 this incredible grunt that just emanates from the center of this body. And then just, I think it travels for kilometers. And occasionally you might hear the other two females marking their own territory and roaring with him. So you get this really unusual staccato just punctuating Dublin's night air, you know, Asian lines punctuating the night air of Dublin. It's quite, quite extraordinary when you think about it. If you live in a dense forested habitat, uh, then you have a great challenge in communicating to other individuals, particularly if you're widely distributed. A great example of an animal that overcomes this challenge, not by singing, but actually by producing a mechanical sound, is the ruffed grouse, which is very closely related to the hazel grouse of Europe. They look very, very similar. The ruffed grouse is the size of a small chicken. So this bird is widely distributed in in forest and it needs to be able to communicate over a great distance to attract a mate, to hold territory, to, to defend its territory against other, other rivals. And if you're just a little chicken, how can you do that? Well, over the millennia, rough grouse have evolved a strategy of communication where they stand on a log, which acts as a resonating chamber, and they beat their wings on air, producing a drumming sound that sounds not unlike an old Volkswagen bus, micro bus starting up when you're cranking the engine over, or an old tractor that's cranking over. 
and they they are beating their wings on air and that rush of air comes down and and hits the resonating chamber of the log and they create a frequency very low frequency or down around 100 hertz that is very wide so wide that when this sound pressure wave encounters a large tree it just wraps right around it like a huge ocean wave and keeps right on going so it can communicate over uh, half a kilometer without any problem that to me is is absolutely astonishing Astonishing sounds, astonishing sonic abilities. Time to go supersize. The loudest animal sounds of all. The following sounds we recorded from a blue whale off the coast of Chile. LNS catalog number 128263. The largest sound. It is probably a signal created by one of the marine mammals, like a blue whale. The blue whale is the largest of all whales, and of all living or extinct creatures. The underwater sounds produced by the blue whale are very low in pitch, and are so strong that they can be detected hundreds of miles away. Actually, they are as strong as the underwater sound produced by a Navy cruiser at normal speed, which is a real roar indeed. Because the sounds are so low in pitch, they are not heard well at all unless recorded and played back at increased speeds to raise the pitch into the range of better sensitivity of the human ear and of audio equipment. How the blue whale makes these sounds and for what purpose, we don't know for sure. This question and many more about their behavior, we hope to answer before many more years pass, if there are any whales left. Just like the ruffed grouse and its hollow log, the whales are also helped by the laws of physics. Uh, there's a conduit in the world's oceans where colder water meets warmer waters on the surface, and it's called the SOFAR channel. And the SOFAR channel is like the, uh, how would I describe it? It's like the high-speed passenger lane. And if your signal is carried in the SOFAR channel, you can communicate over hundreds or thousands of miles. And marine biologists have used sensing systems, auditory listening systems, previously used for listening for submarines underwater to track the movements of vocalizing blue whales for long periods of time and over great distances. Blue whales are not the only animals that use infrasound very, very deep bass. Another huge mammal, the elephant, also favours these low frequencies. When an elephant at Dublin Zoo was due to give birth, Colette was able to leave her recorder in the elephant enclosure overnight. And all through the night I heard amazing sounds of bursts of little bits of trumpeting, a beautiful infrasound, which is a sort of rumbling sound. It almost sounds like something that a sound that a lion would make, but it's a rumbling sound made by 
by elephants. It travels very long distances uh, through the ground and they use it to communicate with each other. It's very soothing. And then the sounds obviously of the mother starting to go into labor and the other animals are getting very excited. And just at the moment where this calf dropped, this newborn calf hit the ground, there was this incredible explosion of trumpeting and 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 I, I can't even describe, there's so many different types of sounds in there, but a really triumphant, wow, there's somebody here, excitement. And as the baby was being born, we were actually watching it on video here, live stream at home. And we, it was so loud, we could actually hear the sound from the house while we were watching it here. And we saw them flapping their ears and waggling their tails and walking backwards and just moving forwards and walking backwards and bumping into each other and touching and sniffing and checking out this new animal and taking care of the mother. And it was loud and it was roaring triumphs, squeaks, squeals, infrasound, all of this mashed up into this really condensed 10 minutes of sound that I don't think anyone else in zoos has managed to record so far because obviously you don't always know when the animal's going to be born. So that was a beautiful sound for me to record and you just can't help but smile when you listen to it. We love to listen to animal sounds, for the most part. As long as they're not trying to eat us, they're just part of the world we live in. You don't need me to tell you that it's not going so well, the whole humans sharing the planet with animals thing. The Macaulay Library contains recordings of animals nobody will ever hear again. Among extinct recordings, we have the Kauai O'o, all the major islands of Hawaii had an o'o up until about uh, the 19th century, and only one species survived into the 20th century, and that was the Kauai o'o. And these were black and yellow birds that uh, were the source of black and yellow feathers that appear in the robes of Hawaiian royalty. And the last bird was recorded in the mid-1970s, and probably it's believed that the species went extinct on Kauai in the mid-1980s. And it's a stunningly beautiful song. The male and female would duet, and we have some recordings of duetting, uh, but one of the most compelling recordings is of a single individual giving its half of the duet. So, if you haven't done it already, take the time to open your window and listen to the animal kingdom out there. Or you could even go for a walk, I suppose. If there aren't any animals to hear, then have a good long think about the Kuai O, whose lonely call can now only be heard in a library of digital sounds.
Many thanks to Colette Kinsella for sharing her experiences from Dublin Zoo. Colette has made a series of radio features called the Zoo Diaries, and you should be able to track them down somewhere on the internet. As you can, of course, with the Macaulay Library, presented so kindly here for us by Greg Budney. This edition of Sound Matters was edited, written and produced by Andrea Rangecroft and myself. My name is Tim Hinman. Sound Matters is made possible by BO Play, and you can find out much more about them on their website at beoplay.com. Sound Matters.